You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the podcast where we deeply dive into the shows we see. This week we are discussing the new Broadway play, I Need That. Want to know our thoughts on seeing Danny and Lucy DeVito take the stage together? Then join us for the next 30 minutes. I'm Jeff, a music industry producer and manager. And I'm Richie, a theater director and producer. Let's explore I Need That. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Half hour. Welcome to today's show. And before we get started, we always like to let our listeners know that there will be spoilers in our discussion about the show in this episode. So if you still want to see it first, that's okay. Go check it out and then come back and listen to this episode. Mm -hmm. That being said, here's a little overview of I Need That. This is the world premiere of Teresa Rebeck's I Need That. The play features three characters, Sam, Foster, and Amelia. DeVito, Danny DeVito, plays Sam, a hoarder who prefers the company of his things to the company of people. But when threatened with eviction, if he doesn't clean up his place, Sam must finally decide what's trash and what's treasure. I Need That is playing at the American (laughs) Airlines Theater and as part of the roundabout season. This is playing till December 30th, I believe. It was supposed to play till mid-December and it got extended already. It's already doing pretty well with the sales. Mm -hmm. We saw a late preview, so by the time everyone's listening to this, it'll have already opened. Uh, Yeah, what do we think, Jeff, on this play? Woo! Um, Okay. So, very interesting story here and we'll get into this, but when we were walking on the street before seeing this play, Richie was like, I'm going to tell you what the show's about. And like, I really didn't want to know. So um, while I'm sitting in the seats and like, I I kind of read the little um, insert that kind of started saying what the show was about. And I was like super excited because I feel like this is a story that is very current and very real in today's society with people and what we have either become attached to and, what we're not attached to anymore. And I'm finding in the generations, we hear so much about like our older generations that came from poor families that didn't have a lot and they were in big families and to see what they become so attached to. And I mean, I I see this in my own family. I'm sure you see this in your own family too. Like what do our family members become attached to and what is actually so important in life we forget about? So I don't know. That's like kind of me just touching on it. But either way, like in a big overview, I really, really, really enjoyed this show. 
I really did too. It, I, I would say it does, ver- you know, it's almost like Danny DeVito's character in this show. For those of you who have seen it, or even if you haven't seen it, it's about someone who's borderline a hoarder. You know, yeah. I think when you think of hoarders in society, you think of the extreme of filth. And I thought that was very interesting when Foster's talking to him and saying, well, the show shows people having rats running around their house and and bugs and and cats everywhere. And he was like, wait, I don't have that. I, I take a shower every day still. My house is clean. I don't want any kids around. Take a plate. I don't want crumbs on my floor. <laughs> like there is interestingly this board. I always I call it for Danny DeVito's character in this borderline hoarding because it's close to it. But it's almost maybe not the extremity of what hoarding could be. But he's very close to it and is basically almost there. And so I think that was an interesting moment of the play. But yes, as a play as a whole, it really does tackle this issue of what a lot of Americans – and I say Americans because it could be happening in other parts of the world. But I think what a lot of – I don't want to say it's just boomers or that boomer generation, but is is that – uh, you know, maybe late 50s to early 70s, mid 70s, kind of a time of uh, Americans living where their children have grown up. They're struggling with the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child or the loss of their job being done and they're retired. And what is their life being surrounded by material things? So yes, from a plot perspective, I thought this was tackled so well. I think Teresa writes, I've read some of her plays before. I think she writes so well. She takes us on the journey. Nothing, and I don't know if you notice this too, nothing is over dramatic. Nothing is like, oh my gosh, you know, something. It, it's it's dramatic enough where it's like, dad, I'm concerned about you, or leave me alone, or I'll be fine, but I need that, but I don't Mm. need that. And the dialogue just grips you enough where you're not like, okay, we don't need a screaming match. We don't need, you know, people, leave me, I'll never want to talk to you ever again. You know, it, it does get heated at times, but I think it just takes us on a nice journey where we see what's really going on here. Not just, oh, it's about a hoarder and his daughter and the neighbor. It just goes far but not too far. And I really appreciated mostly in this, the writing and what Teresa did with the writing of it. Right. And I feel like that's something that we can kind of tackle a little bit here is this word hoarding. And I think what Teresa did really well here was she took the word and she said, let me give you many different variations of what hoarding might mean to someone. And I think we always think about the word hoarding as oh, what you're saying, the show, hoarders buried alive, and that's people that are living in filth and, or there's animals and just like dirty clothes and this and that. But like the word hoarding really comes like, what can you not part with? And I think it goes into so much deeper trauma within these characters in the show because they hoard for different reasons, specifically, uh, Danny DeVito's character, Sam, he hoards because he lost his wife and all of the memories that he has with his wife are in the materialistic things instead of in his mind. And we like get into this crazy story here of like the mind and forgetting things. And how many people do you think about that do hoard things is because it brings them a memory. And we know that he has a very distinct memory when he describes the ring and the bingo and the and those memories of him serving the soda. And then the guitar and that whole story with the guitar. And then Foster's interpretation of that 
And that's a whole other thing we'll get to in a second too. But he has distinct memories, Danny DeVito, say I'm ugly, of these of these materials, items. And his daughter reminds him, dad, the memories are not in the material things. But then it's interesting when Danny DeVito says, no, 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 they act, there actually are memories in these piece, in these specific material things. It was almost like Teresa was trying to say there, we can defend hoarders to an extent because they, they live on the memories of these items. And then we realized at the end, he didn't need all those items. You know, and, and we knew that that was coming eventually, right? But how but that, difficult was it for him? It wasn't just leave me alone. I want to keep my. It was like, no, let me explain to you why I can tell you this whole story because this guitar is in my house. You know, right? Okay, but that's kind of proving the point of him. Sure, of course, he's ta- he's talking about how like he would never tell the story of Bingo if he didn't keep the item. Yeah, or he would never tell the story of the guy that he worked with if he didn't keep the guitar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know he wouldn't remember those stories why mm-hmm. and i guess that's an important question because it's like are those stories actually important oh to him i think so because his life is slipping away from him he retired his wife died his daughter was grown up and then the neighbor foster was getting ready to leave and i think the slipping away almost makes a lot of people say, let me cocoon myself even more. I don't need to go to the outside world. I will stay living in the safety of these material items. And if you notice, which I think Danny DeVito does so well, is he's, there was a, you know, the scene changes when the music's playing and we were just kind of watching him. I was watching him just move things from one end of the room to the other. And it was almost as if it was overwhelming for him. Of course it was overwhelming for him, but it was like, oh, just take the eight board games. He couldn't figure out, okay, there's eight board games. I'm going to throw away six and keep two. And then when he's climbing up and I was like, oh my gosh. And he fell. Yeah. That was amazing too. And I was like, yeah, he couldn't figure out what to do with eight board games. And then what does he do? Which I think is one of the highlighted moments of the piece is he sits and plays a board game by himself. And that is astonishing because the comedy is brilliant. I mean, the man knows comedy with a capital C. We've always known that about him. Mm -hmm. But that man understands how to read and interpret text, even into his older age, better than most comedians I've seen on a Broadway stage. Would you agree? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally comfortable with comedy, Danny DeVito, you know? Totally. And I think when you look at their actor performances and just their character roles in general, we see some improv happening from Danny. He's, you know, he's giving that let me feed off of the audience comedy, but he's not breaking the fourth wall. No. He's, he's still, it's something that we talked about recently in one of our past episodes about like, do you change what's happening on the stage based on what the audience is feeling? And like I, we we obviously saw this in previews, so it's a little bit of like they're getting more comfortable with the space. Well, yeah, they're doing that, but also, how does Lucy respond to that? And I think it's a little different seeing like her. She knows who her father is. She knows how he acts, and it's easy to see that chemistry happen there. But then you bring someone in like um, Anthony, Anthony. Who plays Foster? Oh, oh, Ray Anthony Thomas. Ray yep. Anthony mm-hmm, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring him in, and he also now needs to feed off of the energy of these two people. So it's a great dynamic of bringing a third character in here, and especially the, someone who is a friend. And so the it's third like, character is a, a great 
addition to this because it could have very easily been a two-person play, a father and a daughter, right? But the third character brings an element that is so interesting to me, which is race, and it comes up. And then Danny DeVito's character is like, wait, you're making this a race issue? Because because Foster admits to stealing from him. Mm-hmm. And he says, look at all of this. You're surround- I think the line I'm paraphrasing is, you're surrounded by wealth and you don't even know it. And I'm struggling to stay in my home across the street. We'll be right back. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back. And it was it became a wealth issue, it became a race issue, an opportunity issue. Well, while while Sam's daughter is living her life, his daughter uh, um Foster's son is in the military and then ask, was in the military and then is asking him to come live with him in Ohio. And so there's like this whole other level that Teresa adds here that is so smart. And it's like, that's a great playwright. Give well, us another layer here besides Porter and daughter and figuring, because anybody could have written that, you know, but give us the next level here of what's really going on. Well, that's why I like what she did with the word hoarder. And the whole concept of hoarder, because there's so many layers below that. And I think when we get into more of like the fact of like what he finds more important in life, you have these other two characters trying to show them that, that there are other things in life that are important. So like when we go into this text more and Foster is saying like, you have this daughter here. You have all of these memories that you can be making with her now. And he was treasuring the past. And then and she says that. He's like, well, my what? your mother is not here anymore. And Foster's not here anymore. And then Lu- uh, Lucy DeVito says, I'm here. Yeah. That, I got a chill when I heard her say that. Because it was like, but I, I'm literally here. And right. then another level is her being a hoarder too. And when she was avoiding him going to the apartment, I was like, something's up. And I actually thought it was, oh, she lost her job or maybe she's living with a friend and doesn't even have her own place. But she's dealing with a, this is kind of a generational issue spilling into the next generation. Maybe we call her Gen X. Maybe we call her millennial where she is struggling with material items and surviving in her own world too. Well, that was very interesting. To me. Well, it was an interesting like turning point to put into this play here because it's she even uh, Teresa brings in the level of the biggest thing that everyone always says. It's easier to get rid of someone else's things. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was easy for Lucy to walk in there and become very critical of her father 
and I'm like using the actor's name, so yeah, yeah bear yeah. with me here. It was easier for Amelia <laughs> to walk in here and criticize her father for the way her father was living, but it wasn't really. I guess there's a little bit of the enabling thing too, which is another thing that they bring up into the play because people say that all the time. Are we enabling a hoarder? And when does it stop? So at a certain point, when did she see that this was a problem with the father? And when did she stop it? It Mm. wasn't until he got the eviction notice that it was like, oh, okay, we can now set some boundaries here. We have to get you fixed up or you're going to get evicted from the house and you're going to go to a loony bin eventually. And, and that's where I thought there was an amazing thing in the, I, I know we keep talking about the playwriting of this, you know, um, and, and, and Moritz, um, I hope I say his name, Moritz von Stupenagel was the director. He's a Tony nominated director for hand to God. We've seen a lot of his work. There was some nice direction, but I, I, and we'll talk about that a little bit too, when we get into the design, but from a playwriting perspective, I found it really interesting that when they would go to him for, you're going to get evicted from here, you're going to get this, that, the other thing. He said, this is America. I was fascinated that Teresa had Sam say that multiple times. But this is America. And there is this thing where a lot of people in this country think, I can do and say whatever I want. And you can't come into my home and kick me out of my home. I own this home. I pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And how dare that neighbor across the street take photos of my home and and report me. And Sam says multiple times, this is America. And (laughs) that really rings to me. Like, what does that mean? You know, and and then, and then um, Amelia says this amazing thing where she says, but it's um, America will look out for you when it does affect your safety. She says something along the lines of, well, America decides some laws to abide and some laws not to abide until it comes down to your safety. Well, and there it's, are... so it's not only just the safety of him, it's the safety of others too, because uh, sure. if a hoarder's apartment or home catches on fire, now that's affecting the other oh sure. The other tenants or people that live nearby. And 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 then to kind of spill off onto this too, and this might just be a generational thing too, he Sam is in this world where he says, I, I uh, have a pension. I'm retired. I pay my bills. I'm in America. I can do whatever I want. Leave me alone. And is there a new, you know, do you think we'll see with Gen X and millennials and even Gen Z this, oh, you know, you a lot of times you see now, like even with Gen Z and millennial, I don't buy a lot of things. Or if I buy things and they don't work anymore, we get rid of them. I, I, I know some people who buy furniture and then sell the furniture and then buy furniture and then sell the furniture or clothes, donate clothes, get not keep, 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 keep. And I wonder if this older generation is the f- maybe, for lack of a better term, the first generation to say, I make enough money, I have a pension, and I can live my life. And and this is America. This is America. That what is kept saying is there's nothing wrong with this. But yeah. in fact, maybe there is. And maybe this is just the first generation that's dealt with a surplus of wealth in this country. Maybe the generation before, the golden age generation, as they say. Uh, maybe that generation didn't have that. Uh, or, uh, and now we're seeing generations of, I've been living in America for 50, 60, 70 years, and this is all my material items. Don't take them away from me. So that's an interesting level here, you know, that I, I think is just interesting to bring up. But that ties in a little bit of like the, you can't take it with you. Sure. Theme. Sure. You know, in that play, it's very like, you can't take it with you. You know, mm-hmm. or and what do you take with you? So mm-hmm. in this play, it's the same thing. Like his wife died. And what did she leave? All of the materialistic things there. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, that's the last of her clothes. And she's like, okay, I'm going to take them to the Goodwill. And right. there was such a moment in there. I was kind of getting a little like, <laughs> are the waterworks going to start up? Yeah, I felt because, that. Because, <laughs> because we've all kind of been through this, whether it was with our grandparents or aunts and uncles or our parents, right? Death or well, just, like we've, just we, we old do age. See that. Right. That's the thing. We do see those kinds of things. I had grandparents that had a home in, you know, the same place for many, many years. And then it was time like, hey, you're going to go to Florida. And then when cleaning out their home, it was like at a certain point, it became overwhelming because after so many years and you live in, you know, a a home that has a basement, a first floor, second floor, and an attic that's just filled with stuff. It's like, what do you keep? And she's already, and like when you're, my grandparents are like, oh, hey, um, we're going down to Florida. We know what this kinds of mean, kind of means. So eventually, like, how many more years do we have anyway on this earth? Why am I going to take all of this stuff with me? I'm just going to take the stuff that, you know, I hold memory to or whatnot. And then it goes back to that word again, memory. So after a certain point, now both my grandparents are gone. And I've now watched them go from home to home to senior home. And what is the piece of, you know, the clothing or materialistic thing that is still around Mm -hmm. you know i can look at my bookshelf i have one thing on my bookshelf over here that i say oh this reminds me of my grandparents but like i don't need that to remember my grandparents right it could be a generational thing it's funny when i think about my grandmother um who you obviously knew so well um she wasn't a hoarder by any means but she would keep interesting things like my mom would always say we would she would open the drawer and you know what my grandma would keep the red and white string that pastry boxes are wrapped in from a bakery (laughs) and yes yes and my mom would be like Mom, what are you? Why are you keeping this yarn or string? You know, it was like the red and well, you can picture it, right? Wrapped up in the New York area. If you're listening, we get a lot of pastries and shops and bakeries wrap it in the red and white. She's like, I might need string for something or yarn for something. That's what my grandma would say. She's like, I might need it for something. And guess what? There was a couple times when she did. So it's interesting. Uh, that wasn't like a oh, I need to keep this for a memory thing. That was just a, I kept that generation kept some things, and now we're seeing the next generation keeping more. And then Jeff, I will say this: Is it a reflection on wealth? In America, if you are successful, does that mean you have a million things in your home? You're successful and you're wealthy? We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump back into things. Is that what that means nowadays? Because I know some successful wealthy people that don't have a lot of things. You know, that's what's interesting about this, right? Is what is wealth and success in America? Because Foster kind of thought, you have a $2,000 ring sitting in this box. You didn't even know it. It's interesting to see how you look at wealth and generational wealth but that's and an inter- success but that's in a, America. But okay, right? that's an interesting topic to talk about more because Sam didn't need that money. But Foster does need right. that money. Right. So Foster saying like, 
you have all of these collectible items or items in your home that you don't even know are here. They're mm-hmm. just sitting here. They're going to end up in a landfill one day. Mm-hmm. And I could be taking that and using that. And because I actually need the money right now, mm-hmm. I'm struggling because someone's stealing my money mm-hmm. and my son needs me, you know? So it's interesting what, here you go. One man's trash, another yeah. man's treasure. Yeah. Danny DeVito uh, or Sam's trash was Foster's treasure because he was able to turn it into something. And it's the same thing. Like, well, if we go deeper into Amelia's character here and now the generational um, ho- trauma or hoardingness, she is taking on her own things. And she, but I think this is like a learning lesson for her as we like l- go deeper into the play. Because she's realizing, wait, I'm literally my father. I live in a New York City apartment. It's small. But I hold on to the memories that I have when things were good. You know, I had the perfect body in college, so I keep all of those clothes. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. How many people do you know that literally have bins of clothing and they say, Mm -hmm. oh, this is my size five, um, you know, dress. And I'll wear it when I'm a size five again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're not a size five anymore. And maybe you're never going to be a size five. Why are you still keeping that? Donate it to something. Don't just throw it in the garbage. Here's one thing. Amelia's character says to her father a lot, oh, throw it in the garbage. I don't think what we're talking about here in this show is throwing things into the garbage. But donating them and letting someone else use them, I think is fine. Right. And... And yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think that's total. And then speaking of these materialistic things, when you see this set design by Alexander Dodge, we see so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, how does the stage management like keep track of all this stuff? But then when the set revolves, which love that, I was like hoping we were going to get a moment. And the everything kind of was must have been glued together or state like nailed together because it all disappears so quickly. And then when you see them clean it up and you see the home again, you're like, wow. And that's theater magic. And it was interesting yeah. after the show that we were at, we, there was a talk back with Teresa. We got to hear her talk a little bit. And she said the magic was in, she's like, I love this set that I'm sitting on right now. The, yeah. the magic here of theater is in this space that these actors are exploring. And could you imagine a month later into this run, how much more comfortable the actors will be even oh, more when they see all the little things that are buried in this set. So yes, kudos to that set design. I was really impressed with the, with the design of the set for this for sure i'm actually curious if he improvs some of the things that he touches in that set at each show Mm. there's so much that he can you know play around with and whatever during scene changes and times like i think one thing that i did like in the writing or maybe this is just a director choice is like we do see him in the witching hour so like during the day, he's one thing, but at night when he's kind of like an insomniac and like doesn't know what to do, yeah. he's having his own moments with himself, either crying, calling himself a loser. He doesn't know how his life got like this. Yeah. And it's like sometimes you have to see those like breakdown moments to really feel the pain that someone's going through. And it reminded me there must be so many people that that character is representing. Oh, there of must course. be. 
There must be more than we know. Maybe people worse off than him. Maybe people better off than him. Maybe people with a million family members. You know, it was interesting when he was like, I grew up in a, a Catholic household. I have eight brothers and sisters. And he didn't even know half of them. Uh, so he couldn't name his brothers and sisters. That's interesting yeah. too. But so, that's another layer of the trauma that he's dealing with that exists in that home. Hmm. When she's literally saying like, you have trauma from your father. Or you have trauma from your brothers and sisters, and he, but he still keeps the things that reminds them of him to him. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, I have to keep this TV because my dad made it, and that was the time when we didn't have color TV right. and this and that. And everyone's like, okay, that that TV is so old. Yeah. Get rid of it. You know. Or and then at the very end, when Sam gives Foster the guitar, and yeah. he says, "Don't sell it," but then doesn't he say something like, "But if you have to, you can." Did he? It was something. I thought he. I thought maybe I'm making that up. But I thought he said. Oh, he said. I remember him saying, "Don't sell it." <laughs> but it, you could do whatever you want with it if you want, or something like that. I think that was yeah. Sam's realization of this is a gift. So do whatever you want with it. But this was the memory I have associated with it, and now you do what you want with it. And yeah. that was a sad goodbye too. And then at the end, it was. It, it was, was a sad goodbye, but I do like here that as things were going away. You watched him blossom. He knew how to turn that switch from being cluttered inside to blossoming into, I have all of this space, not only around me, but in me for new things. And when, and then jumping to the very end, when his daughter's going to go to Nebraska and then she's like, I'm outside still. And he's like, I'm coming or something. And then he goes out to the front porch and it's like, do they go together? What happens? That's always what I think is what a great playwright does. It leaves you saying, well, what do you think? You know, do you think that he just went out there to say goodbye and maybe he's going to go visit Nebraska only, or maybe he's really (laughs) going to sell this house and go. Maybe she doesn't go to Nebraska, but it was a nice way to end it. I did really like it. Okay. Well, let's ask each other the question then. What do you think happens to them in the end? I, I think, I think he goes, I think he sells the house and goes. Yep. Okay. That would, that's what my thoughts would be. Maybe what about you? I don't know if they go. I think it's intentional that they do go, but mm-hmm. I do think the point of the ending is whatever's going to happen, they're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. And, they're and that's not, nice. And they're not leaving each other. Yeah, and that's nice. Yeah, so that's nice. nice. <laughs> so, very nice. But... Wow. Oh my gosh, we ran, I ran out of time really fast there. <laughs> so let's get ready to wrap up this. Th- thoughts on I Need That on Broadway, Jeff? 30 seconds, go. Listen, I really, really enjoyed this play because maybe it strikes very close to home for me about seeing people in my family who do have a hard time with parting with things. And I think the real message here that kind of helps me out is this whole word of awareness and it brings more awareness to you when you can have someone in your life that is there to help you and guide you in your life and say, Hey, you got something going on. It makes you more aware of how you can be a better person. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that this is a great highlight of the season definitely an underdog i think because i was not expecting this at all so i think that everyone should go see it because i do think that i'm pretty sure many many people have dealt with this themselves or 
deal with this with someone else who is dealing with it. I agree. It's an it's a topic of discussion that I think is important to be telling on a Broadway stage. I don't think I've seen anything like this before. Mm-mm. And so I need that is a highly recommended piece. It's only playing for November and December. Uh, and I hope people go check it out and just, you know, it has a heart to it. I think it's a great, it's a hundred minutes. It's a great opportunity for people to just say, oh yeah, I have family that are like this, or I know someone who does. And we can all, it's a human show. It's about humans living in the United States and how some yeah. people really are living. Uh, and it has a heart to it. And, and Danny DeVito, creme de la creme of comedy, perfectly cast. And I love seeing his relationship with his real life daughter up there on stage. Really, really stuff so yeah definitely something that you can learn from actually i can see this being a film yes totally maybe it will definitely so that uh does wrap up our discussion of this episode today we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into i need that on broadway so don't forget we want to hear from you continue the conversation with us on instagram and tiktok at half hour podcast let us know your thoughts on i need that and any other broadway or off-broadway shows you'd like us to discuss and if you enjoyed our show please leave us a review your feedback helps us bring more broadway to you remember you can listen to our past episodes and stay tuned for more upcoming ones until next time i'm jeff and i'm richie saying ta-ta bye Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.